Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the wisdom of the teacher in Ecclesiastes. We pray that we might learn from his wisdom and might be able to put it into practice in the light of what we know of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please help us this morning to understand your word and apply it rightly. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take control of your future, says the ad. And we think we can do it. We think we can do it. Whether it be head off to the Mind Body Spirit Festival and have somebody gaze into a crystal ball and tell you your future, or whether it be the more secular thing that I think most of us see around us, we think we can do the sort of stuff that will guarantee the future, guarantee a nice life. You go to the right school, make the right friends, work hard, you get the right job, keep working hard, make plenty of money. Buy a nice house on the North Shore, a couple of cars, one of them red. Uh, find the right marriage partner, get the right insurance, get the right superannuation, keep fit, eat only organic foods, use Botox and wrinkle cream, and then retire to Bonnie Doon. It's all planned out. It's all planned out. If you follow the right formula, buy the right products, make the right sacrifices, then, so we think, we can control the future, we can guarantee the good life. And meanwhile, we avoid what comes next. We're pretty good at uh, planning for life, but we don't want to think about death. We don't want to talk about death. We don't want to know about death. As Woody Allen so nicely said, we don't want to be there when it happens. It's like the old story of the bloke who uh, goes to a fortune teller. She says, $10, you can ask me one question. So he hands over the money and he says to her, okay, here's my question. Can you tell me where I'm going to die? Fortune teller says, oh, I haven't heard that one before. She says, generally people ask me uh, when they're going to die. He says, well, I don't know what the good of that is. He says, you tell me where I'm going to die and I'm just going to make absolutely sure I never go there. We think we can control the future. We think we can avoid death. But as we've seen over and over again in this book of Ecclesiastes, the teacher disagrees. Now, in our studies in Ecclesiastes, we come, we've come now to chapter 9. I know I said that last week. Last week I didn't mean chapter 9, I meant chapter 8. This week I do in fact mean chapter 9. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, the teacher discusses the wise way to face the future. The wise way to face the future. The first thing that the teacher says is that we don't know the future. We don't know if our lives will be good or bad. We don't know if we're going to face love or hate. Our future is in God's hands, not in ours, and God doesn't choose to reveal to us what's coming. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 1. So I reflected on all this. And concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. We can't know our future. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You might have a nice day, someone will give you a hug. Uh, you might have a bad day, someone will swear at you in the traffic. You don't know. Love or hate, you don't know. There is one thing you can know. One and only one thing that you can know about your future. Here it is. 
Don't matter what you do, don't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how religious you are, the one sure thing that you can know about the future is that you're going to die. Verse 2. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil and everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. Now the next half of verse 3, it's a bit hard to translate. Now the teacher says literally, I'll give you a literal translation, the human heart knows its full measure of evil and folly during life. If you look at the NIV there, what they take that to mean is that the human heart is itself full of evil and folly, and that, that's true, but I suspect that's not quite what the teacher's saying. I suspect what the teacher's trying to say is that in this life we will experience, we will know a full measure of, of, of evil and of folly. What he's saying is this, he's saying, let me tell you your future. You want to know the future? Let me tell you your future. In this life, you will see your fill of evil and of folly, and then you will cark it. There it is. Now, let me give you my literal translation of verse 3. The human heart knows its full measure of evil and folly during life, and afterward they join the dead. Well, it's not exactly what we want to hear, is it? I mean, imagine going to a fortune teller. Please tell me my future, you say. Sure thing, he says. He gazes into his crystal ball and he says, you will see heaps of misery and stupidity and then you will die. There you go, that'll be $50, please. Not what we want to hear. It's actually better value advice than you'll get from, uh, from any other fortune teller. At least it's true advice. But it's not what we hope for, is it? It's not what we dream about. It's not what we want for the future. We... We love the idea that we can control the future, that if we do the right thing, life will go well, that if we're good enough, life will go well, that maybe even if, that if we're religious enough, we'll have a nice life. But as plain as the nose is on our faces, and in my case that's very plain, as plain as the nose is on our faces, it's a fantasy. The whole karma idea of do good and get good, it's palpably false, obviously false. The nonsense that even some Christians go on with, that if you put your faith in Jesus, enough faith, pray the right prayers, you'll get a nice life. It is a straight-out lie. It is an idolatrous lie. God is not an idol. We don't control him with our religion or with anything else. Our future is in his hands. The idea that we can control the future is rubbish. It is an illusion. And so, of course, is the fantasy, the illusion, that we can avoid death. It is just that, a fantasy. Uh, there's a famous author, his name is William Saroyan, or his name was William Saroyan. I'd never heard of him, but apparently some of you literary types may have. Um, as the famous author William Saroyan lay dying, he was asked to give a statement, a final statement, and this is what he said. He said, Everybody has got to die. But I have always believed an exception would be made in my case. Now what? We live with the illusion that we won't die. We think an exception will be made in our case. We always seem to be surprised when people die. But again, it's fantasy. Death is coming. There's no avoiding it. 
There's another old story. A man is walking along and he comes face to face with the angel of death. He uh, looks into the eyes of the angel of death and he says the angel looks a bit surprised. Um, the angel passes him by on the street and the bloke is terrified. He's really scared. So he goes to a wise man for advice. The wise man says, I'm afraid to say that death has come here to take you tomorrow. The bloke's dead scared. So he, he gets in his car and there was an unintended pun, sorry. He's very scared. Okay, so he gets in his car and he drives as far away as he can to, to get away from death. And the next morning, the man's in a faraway place. He's just ready to congratulate himself on defeating death, on cheating death, but then the angel of death comes and taps him on the shoulder. He says, I'm here for you. Your time has come. The bloke says, but I thought I saw you yesterday near my home, far, far away. And the, angel, and the angel of the death says, I thought it was you. He says, yeah, that's why I had such a surprise look on my face because I knew I was meant to meet you here today. <laughs> death is coming. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. It is the one sure thing about our future. Now that matters, doesn't it? I mean, jokes aside, that matters. That means... That everything is, to use the teacher's word, hevel. Everything is like a breath. Just, and it's gone. Fleeting, insubstantial. Here one second, gone. All, all our joys will soon be gone. All our sorrows will soon be gone. Everything we are striving for, everything we are living for, everything we are stressing about, everything we are worrying about, everything we are lying awake at night, pondering over, it will all soon be gone. Gone. Death will take it all away. In verse 4, I suspect what's going on is that the teacher is quoting a proverb. It's a proverb that says you're better off being alive than dead. Verse 4, and I think it should be in, in uh, quotation marks. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. That's the proverb, that's what it says, you're better off being alive. But the teacher is not quite so sure. The teacher says, well, in what way are the living better off? What, yes, the dead have no more life under the sun, but what is this so-called hope of the living? What is there that we living know that the death don't know, that the dead don't know? He says, he says let me tell you our hope. Let me tell you the one thing that we know that the dead don't know. We know we're going to die. That's it. That's the so-called advantage of being alive. Verse 5. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. So there it is. That is our future under the sun. That is the future of life as we can see it. A few short out of control years and then death. Sorry if you don't like it. I didn't make it that way. It's just the way it is. And so if that's the way it is then the teacher's got some wisdom for us. He says, says don't stress about a future you can't control. You can't control the future. It is uncertain. And so he says, he says, don't ruin the present for the sake of an unknown future. Don't ruin the present 
for the sake of an unknown future. Enjoy your life now. Don't always be thinking, if I can just get that next thing, that next stage, if, if the baby would just start sleeping through, then I'll have a nice life. If, if, I can just, if I can just get that next thing, then I'll start enjoying Don't waste the time. Enjoy life now. Enjoy your food. Have a nice drink. Don't walk around in black. Dress up. Don't wish you had some other wife. Enjoy the one you've got. Don't always wish you had a different job, then you'd be happy. Enjoy the one you've got. Get in. Give it, give it a decent go. Enjoy it. Verse 7. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favours what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this heaven, all this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labour under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you were going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. The teacher finishes off by, by reaffirming what he's been saying about the future. It's uncertain. He says you can, you can train up, you can get yourself fast. doesn't mean you're going to win the race. He says you can do weights like my doctor's trying to force me to do at the moment. doesn't mean you're going to win the battle. He says you, you, can, you can gain a dozen university degrees. doesn't mean you'll be rich. doesn't mean anyone will like you. You can't control the future. From our perspective, the future is just time and chance. Verse 11. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favour to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. And the teacher says, you can't know when bad times will come. When it comes to bad times, we're like fish. Just swimming along, no idea that someone's about to scoop us up with a net. We're like, uh, we're like birds flapping about, no idea that someone's about to snare us. Bad times, they give no warning, you can't prepare for them, you can't avoid them, they just come. Verse 12. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. See, the point's the same, isn't it? Can't know the future, can't control the future. Only one certain thing to come in our uncertain future, and that is death. And so it confirms the teacher's wisdom again. Stop stressing about the future. Stop trying to control what you can't control. Life is too short. Enjoy now. Well, what can we say about the teacher's wisdom? How does it apply to us today? First thing I think there, that there is to say is that if this life is all there is, then what the teacher says is frighteningly true. If life under the sun is all there is, if what you see is what you get in life, then the reality of life is really that we see a whole heap of misery and stupidity and then we die. Now that is not necessarily what the teacher himself believed. He didn't necessarily believe this life is all there is. He believed there is a God who has given us our lot. Uh, his advice is not hedonism, but contentment. 
he's talking about life under the sun, not because it's necessarily all there is, it's just the assumption, the hypothesis that, he, that he's working with. But many people today, they do say that this life is all there is. Many people today, they do say that what you see is what you get, that this life is an accident, it's just a product of time and chance. And yet every single person I've met who is like that, they still like to think that there is significance in life. That, that, that things like love matter, that people matter, that, that the future matters. They, they still want to hold on to things like morality. But why? I don't get it. If this life is all there is, then the teacher is right. It is hevel, meaningless. To say that life is a meaningful accident is an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? Two words that just don't work together. You can't have a meaningful accident. By definition, an accident is not meaningful. To, to talk about a meaningful accident, what it is, it's people trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to have a life without God to boss them around, but with the significance and the value to life that only God can give. It's trying to have your cake and eat it too. If this life is all there is, then what the teacher says is deadly accurate, and there's only one wise option. If this is all there is, then suck it dry. Squeeze it for everything you can. Enjoy yourself. Seize the day. Make the most of it. Because if this life is all there is, you're going to be a heck of a long time dead. If this life is all there is, then life is like being pushed out of a plane without a parachute. Hey, you might as well enjoy the view on the way down. I mean, what else can you do? Wave to your friends. Take some photos. No much point doing anything else, is there? You can flap your arms a bit if you want. It's not going to do you any good. You're wasting your time. You might as well enjoy it. Make the most of the few moments you've got before you hit the ground. If this life is all there is, then the teacher's wisdom is true. But friends, I don't think anyone can live it. I don't think it's livable. To honestly say that nothing matters. To honestly say that people don't matter, that love doesn't matter, that morality doesn't matter, that life doesn't matter, that it doesn't matter if I kill you all or make a jam sandwich, that, that the best we can do is squeeze a joyless hedonism from life. I don't know anyone who seriously faces up to the wisdom of the teacher here. I don't know anyone who can really confront that reality and live it. But if this life is all there is, if what you see is what you get, then that's what we should do, because anything else is folly. Maybe worth exploring that with someone you know who, who wants to hold to value in life, but not to God. Well, if this, life, if this life is all there is, if what you see is what you get, then that is the way to live. But of course, the great news is that this life is not all there is. The great news is that since the time of the teacher, God has broken into history. God sent Jesus into the world under the sun to live, to die on the cross for our sin and to rise again from the dead in glory. Jesus has lived beyond death. Jesus has been raised to life, never to die again. Friends, that means that this life is not all there is. That means that there is a life that is not hevel. There is a future beyond death and that means that there is stuff in this life worth doing. Stuff that will last, stuff that does matter. On your outline there, I've got a verse from our second reading. 
uh, from 1 Corinthians 15, that great chapter that tells about the, the resurrection of Jesus, which means that there is a resurrection of the dead for us all. And notice the point of this, uh, this last verse in that chapter. Because of the resurrection, God says that there is a labor that is not in vain. In vain, it's a, the Greek word is matthios, which means empty. It's the same word that the, Greek, the Greeks used to translate hevel in the Old Testament. Here is a labor that is not hevel on your outline. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. All right. So what then are we Christians going to do with the teacher's wisdom? Is it still relevant to us? Is it relevant to us now that we know that life under the sun is not all there is? Now that we know that, uh, that everything is not hevel? I think the answer is yes. I think there is still much to learn from the wisdom of the teacher. But the key for us is to try to put together what the teacher says, his wisdom, with what we know of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me try to think about that for a little while. The fact is, our lives here on earth, our future here on earth, is still out of our control. We still don't know if love or hate awaits us this afternoon, let alone in five years, let alone for the rest of our lives. And the fact is, unless Jesus comes back soon, we will all die. And so at these levels, the future for us is exactly the same as for the teacher. And so we can still learn from his wisdom. We need to dispel the illusions that the world throws at us. We need to dispel the illusion that we can control the future. We need to dispel the illusion that death is not coming. And as far as this life is concerned, as far as the things of this world are concerned, we need to heed what the teacher says. Don't ruin the present for the sake of an unknown future. Enjoy what God has given you. Be content. Enjoy now. It doesn't mean you shouldn't plan for the future. It doesn't mean you can't have insurance or superannuation or a house or whatever. It just means keeping it in perspective. These things cannot guarantee our afternoon, let alone our future. They are not worthy of our trust. They're not worthy of living for. They're not worthy of stressing about. They're not worth an ulcer. The future's still out of control. Death is still coming. What the teacher says is still wisdom for us. The difference is, the difference is that we now know what comes next. We know that after death there will be a resurrection. We know that in the Father's house there are many rooms. We know that Jesus has gone there to, to prepare a place for, 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 for those who trust in him. And so for us, this life, it's got to be more than just enjoying now. It's got to be more than just a, a hopeless, joyless hedonism. The Apostle Paul said, if there is no resurrection, then let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. But there is a resurrection. And that changes things. Life for us as Christians it, it should involve a profound gratitude to Jesus that he has rescued us from that just life which is breath. Life for us should involve a, a deep sense of hope for the future. Life for us should involve a, a knowledge that people matter, that love matters, that morality matters. Life for us should be lived in the knowledge that those people that we see day by day, they are people who are either going to heaven or to hell, eternally. 
in our lives. We need, to, we need to get the right perspective. The stuff that we have is Hevel, but we and the people around us are eternal. We need to realise that a day is coming when we will stand before God and we'll have to give an account for how we worked, how we, how we loved, how we lived the life that Jesus has given us. We need to realise that there is stuff around us that we will take with us, not the red Porsche, but the people around us ourselves, each other. We need to realise that our labour in the Lord is not in vain. Can you see then, the teacher's wisdom is not all there is. Because life under the sun is not all there is. And so we need to put together what he says with what we know about Jesus. The thing is, I want to finish off by by saying we don't want to forget the wisdom of the teacher. I think that the wisdom of the teacher can have two two very significant advantages for us as Christians. I think it can help us in our Christian lives and I think it can help us in our Christian witness. Firstly, our Christian lives. You keep hearing in the New Testament stuff about being content. Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. You know, don't worry, be like the birds. They don't worry about uh, where their food's coming from. Be like the, the flowers. They don't worry about where they're clo- How do you do that? The Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Everything by prayer and petition, with, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How do you do that? I think that's where the teacher can help us because he gives us the appropriate perspective. This stuff is Hevel, soon gone. Keep it in perspective. This is wisdom that can liberate us. Liberate us from worrying about what we can't control. Liberating, liberate us from living for what is not worth living for. This, the teacher can help us live our Christian lives. And secondly, I think that the teacher can also help us in our Christian witness. Just a just think about this for a second. If, if we could really heed what the teacher says, if we could be the sort of people who had that, that perspective on life, that true contentment, that, that kind of sitting light to the things of this world but, but being serious about the things that matter, if we were those kinds of people, I am sure that other people would look at us and think, wow, that person has something worth having. That person knows how to live because it's a winsome thing isn't it when you see somebody who is really wise like that who's realistic about life and the future someone who doesn't stress about fantasy someone who's content that is winsome you know that is what i want that is what that's what i want other people to look at me and think my family i suspect when they look at me they see this pinched moralistic christian who looks like they've just sucked a lemon or something like that and is judging them I want people to look at me and instead say, there is a bloke who knows how to live. There is a bloke who has a realism about life. There is a bloke who has a a contentment about life. I wonder what it is that he knows. I'd love them to say that because I'd love to tell them what I know. Friends, what the teacher says is true, still true. We can't control the future. We can't avoid death. Let's listen to what he says. Let's be content Let's enjoy the present and yet at the same time let's, let's hold on to and let's rejoice in the eternal life that Jesus gives us. Let's labour in the Lord knowing that that is not in vain because I reckon if we held them together that would be wisdom for this life and for the next. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ 
who has shown us our great hope, not just knowing that we're going to die, but knowing that we can live forever with you. And we thank you with, the, with that in mind that we can live our lives uh, trusting in him, uh, knowing what is important, what is eternal and what is not. We're sorry, Father, for when we, when we forget what is really significant, for when we strive and strain and stress over that which is uh, temporary and passing, and for when we ignore the things that really matter, and when we ignore the, the, the people that really matter. Our Father, please help us to have right perspective. Help us to learn from the teacher. Help us to learn from the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be wise in both this life and the next. And we pray that through this we might commend the gospel to those that we know and love. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.